Welcome to Spirits of Whiskey. We explore the wide world of whiskey through the many colorful personalities who make it, promote it, write about it, and more. With each podcast, Carrie Moynihan, a certified bourbon steward and bartender, and yours truly, Philip Dobar, director of the Cocktail Collection, interview whiskey's most important names. From high-profile makers, blenders, and ambassadors, to out-of-the-way innovators and remote pioneers. Join us as we discover the people and elements that give the water of life its spirit. Today is Thursday, June 23rd, 2020. We are a day late, so sorry about not getting this out on Whiskey Wednesday, but we do have the pleasure of talking to authors Peggy No Stevens and Susan Riegler about their new book, Which Fork Do I Use With My Bourbon? But first, stay tuned for this week's Whiskey Chronicles. For generations, pairing whiskey and other spirits, either neat or cocktailed, with food was somewhere between frowned upon and a culinary no-no. But whiskey's gained in popularity in recent years, and so has the practice of pairing it with food. Historically, drinking whiskey with a meal was, in part, a function of geography and economics. People who lived in colder climes, for instance, might have drunk it for its perceived warming effects. And because in some places, the Scottish lowlands, for instance, wine was a comparatively pricey import, whiskey, traditionally a locally made and consumed agricultural product, might have been the only alcoholic beverage available to people of limited means. Wine, by contrast, in part because it lacks the palatal burn associated with spirits, has long enjoyed a congenial relationship with food. Yet if one follows a simple and straightforward tasting protocol, one can mitigate the burn and thus more easily detect a given spirit's subtle nuances, allowing the spirit to harmonize rather than clash with the food with which it's paired. To start with, match food with an individual whiskey's unique characteristics rather than the general qualities of a given category of whiskey. When choosing a dish for pairing, either complement the whiskey or contrast with the whiskey, which is to say, play up the similarities or the differences between the food and the spirit. Additionally, pairing whiskey with fats such as butter, cream, and oil can help suppress the burn, whereas spicy foods will do the opposite. Once the dishes are planned and prepared, begin the meal by nosing the whiskey glass. The best way to avoid burning the nostrils is by sniffing the liquid with both the mouth and throat slightly open. Using both also enhances the aromas. Next is the sip. When sipping your dram for the first time, make sure you let the liquid reach every taste bud in your mouth before swallowing. After you swallow and then exhale, take a bite. The now enhanced flavors of the food will be unlocked by the residual alcohol still sitting on the palate. Here at Spirits of Whiskey, we're fortunate to have Chef Louise Leonard on hand to talk to us about ways to pair and enjoy whiskeys we showcase. This week, however, we have a special treat. Our guests, Peggy No Stevens and Susan Riegler, share their insights on the subject as we discuss their new book, Which Fork Do I Use With My Bourbon? And later in the show, we will speak with event planner Jason Reed from Refined Company to discuss the tips that Peggy and Susan provide to the readers in their new book. Today on Spirits of Whiskey, we're very fortunate to have with us a couple of very special whiskey women. With us are Peggy No Stevens and Susan Riegler. Women have long been underrepresented, not just in whiskey making, but in whiskey drinking. And these two ladies, probably more than any other two ladies, have had something to do with righting that wrong, if you will. Welcome, ladies. Thank you for joining us. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Well, we're very excited to have you guys here today. 
as we always start off with our first question, uh, we like to talk to, about everybody's whiskey journey. So Susan, I knew you first, so we'll start with you. What was your whiskey journey and how, I mean, it's, it's a vast journey and, and full of books and all kinds of fun trinkets. So Right. Well, it uh, did not hurt that I was born in Louisville, Kentucky, which of course has, is steeped in whiskey culture. A little um, bit. A little bit, yes, just just a tad. I didn't if, know can, that. I should check into that. I know. Yeah, yeah. If, if you can steep a tad, then uh, yes, we we definitely have. And uh, I I just sort of grew up with it. It was uh, literally part of the atmosphere. You'd walk in a restaurant, um, and it smelled of of bourbon and often tobacco smoke, because this was several decades ago. Uh, my dad's hobby was horse racing, so I spent most of the Saturdays of my childhood at Churchill Downs. And nice. in that day, um, that racetrack, when you walked in, it smelled like uh, bourbon, cigars, popcorn, and hot dogs. It oh. was pretty terrific. That sounds uh, like my, my favorite weekend right there. Yeah. <laughs> That's a glorious melange. It, it was. Unfortunately, they've cleaned it up considerably. But bourbon is still there. <laughs> bourbon is still there. Yeah. So what, they took away the popcorn? That's rude. No, no, they still have the popcorn, they still have the hot dogs, but yeah, it's, it's, it's just different. Anyway, so I suppose I really was paying much more attention to bourbon, focusing on it, because again, it's sort of like it's in the atmosphere here, uh, when I was the restaurant critic and beverage writer for the Louisville Courier-Journal. And so this was in the 90s when bourbon started to make its comeback, and I did a lot of writing about bourbon. In fact, I was writing articles such as teaching Louisville bartenders how to make a proper old-fashioned because I was tired of getting bad ones. And that's pretty ironic. Of course, the old-fashioned is now the official cocktail of the city of Louisville. And, of course, that's very exciting to live that in a city cool. that has an official cocktail. You know, there are not that many. So no. we're, we're, we're pretty privileged about that. So that's essentially the, the journey. And then I, so I've been writing about bourbon and other whiskeys ever since. How many books do you have out? I already, I have three of yours right now, including the one Ooh. that you guys sent us. Um, oh, lovely. Thank you. So how many total do you have out? I think seven that are whiskey related. I thought okay. you had eight. Maybe it is eight. I don't know. They oh, they... Susan, come on I now. I up better than she does. <laughs> so, books happen like cats. You know, I'm not quite sure. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's something like that. Seven or eight. But, uh, cool. Yeah. It, it, it's, it's been fun. That's I have to awesome. drink and write. Yeah, that, too bad, that, huh? I mean, it's, yeah. You can do order? that anywhere. So that's great. <laughs> that you right. have a sticky office or? Yeah. yeah I can't so, write about it unless I'm drinking it. So, you know, there we are. Exactly. So, Peggy, give us uh, a little background anyway. on. Hemingway, yes. Faulkner. And then you can have the cats with the extra toe. That's called the Hemingway cat because the Hemingways had all those cats. I used Um, to have one, actually. Um, So, Peggy, (laughs) give us us your your background. Well, gosh, similar to Susan, I am a born and raised uh, Louisvillian and grew up with mother drinking highballs and, you know, having big parties (laughs) at the house and the old-fashioned you know, decanters that were made out of Lenox, China, mm-hmm. uh, the old Jim Beam decanters sat on our, our bar. And uh, so really grew up with that. Then onward to UK, I'll give you the G version. Um, <laughs> you know, bourbon was... I, I know the R version. No, it's the R oh version. Oh, my Lord. The G That's going to be... A, hey, we have yeah. editing. You can give us the uh, oh, PG-13 version. The, <laughs> the G version is that bourbon was in our sorority tumblers at football games and the bleachers and 
you know, tailgate, which was, you know, fanatical and still mm-hmm. is here in Kentucky. Right. And then really beyond my college days, I started in the hotel industry and the hotel business. I had to learn about all kinds of facets of wines and spirits and, you know, creating menus and planning events because I was in catering, convention services. And then I was headhunted by Brown Foreman uh, a couple years into me being in the hotel business. And that's truly when I started to build my bourbon pedigree. You know, I felt like I had a very great boot camp learning, you know, from the hotel business. But Mm -hmm. when I joined uh, Brown Foreman, you know, I learned about their entire portfolio of spirits and even worked at a distillery, um, opened the Woodford Reserve Distillery as a visitor center director and became the first female master taster designation when I was uh, with Woodford. I stayed there at Brown Foreman for 17 years and managed all of the spirit brand destinations such as Jack Daniels and, you know, Woodford Reserve, et cetera, and then started my own company about 12 years ago, Peggy No Stevens and Associates. Mm -hmm. And I built 30 to date brand destinations for spirit companies and also focus along with Susan uh, doing whiskey reviews for American Whiskey Magazine. And I do a heck of a lot of profiles on whiskey profiles for clients. So that is truly, I think, my, my cliff note version of my bourbon road. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. Yeah. How, do, how did you two come to know each other? Well, through Susan, bourbon. Yeah, it really was. <laughs> I was going to say, ironically, through bourbon. And Susan, do you want to talk about the event you attended that I did? Oh, absolutely. The one where I don't remember you at all. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be the one. How much bourbon did you have, Susan? Well, you know, there were there were a lot of people there. The cigar event. Yeah. The cigar event. Exactly. A good host host is never the center of attention. Well, thank you for that. Thank you. Oh, you are good, Philip. Wow. (laughs) So yeah, this this was really uh, delightful. I I was still the restaurant critic at the Career Journal at the time, and I got an invitation to go to a women's bourbon and cigar and shopping night at Woodford Reserve. And it was black tie. So I put on my long black formal wear and spangly top and headed off to Versailles, Kentucky, which is how we pronounce it. It looks like uh-huh. Versailles, but it's Versailles. It, there was this room full of, of women drinking bourbon and smoking cigars and this was not my first cigar. I brought my own silver plated, or silver, excuse me, gold plated uh, cigar cutter <laughs> and snipped my cigar. And I had about two inches of ash. And a woman at another table leaned over and says, mm, We have ash envy over here. And, <laughs> and then Lincoln Henderson, who, lovely, lovely gentleman who was the master distiller at that time, in his tuxedo invited me over to the distillery building. And we were tasting new make whiskey right off the still and spitting it on the concrete floor oh, in our fun. formal garb. And meanwhile, Peggy was somewhere on the scene, she claims. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but the next time I met her when I remembered her uh, was when she did a focus group for founding bourbon women. And I was in the invitation to come and talk about a woman, as a woman who likes bourbon, what I would like in a society, an association like that. So that's you know, when we first met. Yeah, really. and what's what's really great about that story, well, first of all, I think I'm still hanging on to the word that you just used, spangly, <laughs> top. Uh, I still have it. 
I, I can't show well, it to you. That, that amazes me in and of itself. I, I don't exactly. <laughs> I didn't even know she had that in her vocabulary, Spangly. But what I was going to say is that I was the visitor center director. And what's interesting about the story is that that was probably done. Susan, what do you think? In 1999, maybe Some, somewhere in there. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that's about right. Yeah, because, because it, this was your your idea. You, you cooked this up. So. Well, and, and it's funny because the reason I did is because I always knew that women loved whiskey and that there were so many loyal women who wanted to learn. It's just we never really taught them how. So I think in all sincerity, besides meeting Susan uh, that night, which she doesn't remember, uh, even though I was a host, uh, I, that, that, I, maybe that's because there was so much ash grabbing. Maybe yeah. so. Ooh, could uh, be. Maybe so. Uh, that, that was really, I think, the seed to creating bourbon women mm-hmm. much later in my career. You know, it never left me. How long ago did you start Bourbon Women? 2011. Okay. Uh, but we started the focus groups in 2010, and we did focus groups throughout the state of Kentucky because I just knew in my heart that, you know, marketing was predominantly to men in the whiskey business. And I knew in my heart that there were so many women who not only loved the whiskey, but the lifestyle that surrounded it. And so these focus groups were all throughout Kentucky. We had a resounding response, so much so that I took all of my notes and all my stats and everything, and I sat with Bill Samuels, who I think is one of the best marketers in the industry and is a bit of a mentor of mine, and uh, sat with him, and I said, Bill, what do you think? Look at all of this. Look what women are saying, and our industry is not doing anything, mm-hmm. and he said, you know what, Peggy? He goes, this, this really is pretty brilliant. He said, what we need to do, and this is magic words that I have followed. He goes, we need to start a conversation with women. He never said market to them. Yep. He said, let's just start a conversation. And from that, of course, I pulled Susan in quickly to be on the board uh, and many other very, very talented women, both inside and outside the industry to start it. Wow. Very cool. Very cool. So, so now you've co-penned a book. We have, and we had a lot of fun doing it too. So this will be my third book um, that I've done, but I've never co-authored before and Susan and I had a ball. So when did you guys come up with the idea to do it and how long did it take you to write it together? Peggy had, this had been fermenting in Peggy's brain for quite a while. Yeah. A lot of things ferment in my brain. (laughs) (laughs) And just just like barrels have to sit in a warehouse for a while. So really it was two years after I started my company, which would have been around that 2010 timeframe. And I wanted to write a bourbon entertaining book because, you know, after all the event planning I'd done and everything I'd learned about being a master taster and conducting, you know, tastings around the world, I thought, you know, you don't have to be an expert to enjoy people in your home. Uh, We just need you, again, start a conversation. So I started writing it and life took off. My business took off. Bourbon women took off. And I never, I just put it down. I just, there was no way I could get to it. So fast forward and Susan and my relationship deepened and we just have a huge respect for each other as experts in the industry. And I said, Susan, I need help. You've written so many books. Please come and help me write this damn thing so I can get it out the door and we can finish it because it's been hanging over my head. And then, uh, and she was gracious and said, listen, I'll help you with it. And then I thought, you know what, let's just co-author it together. Let's Mm -hmm. just write this together because you have a different style. I have a different style. But our common denominator is bourbon. Right. Correct. Yep. And Susan, you want to add anything to that? or 
No, no, I think it, we just sort of uh, parceled out the chapters to one another and we would write write them and then send them to each other and go over them and make suggestions to each other. And it, uh, it actually worked out pretty well. And it, well, we wanted the book to get out quickly, and, like in time for the Kentucky Derby this year. Haha. And, uh, <laughs> so- you have plenty of time, dear. Plenty oh, of time. <laughs> yes, yes, we do. But yeah. but we uh, set quite an ambitious schedule, and I think we wrote it in about two months. Peggy, was that? Oh about wow! Right? Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I mean, we, wow. we both knew what we wanted to say, but and, of course, uh, we're, act- we're speaking from experience. That helped, and right. also I think it took longer to get all the photos put together than it did to actually. Write yeah, I wanted to say did. the photos in here are absolutely yeah, gorgeous. Let, let me say, for the benefit of our listeners, let me read the entire title: "Which fork <laughs> do I use with my bourbon?" Question mark. Setting the table for tastings, food pairings, dinners, and cocktail parties. Culinary imagery, lots of it. Yes. Did you have one photographer? Or did you have a bunch? We actually ended up having several, and I'll tell you why. Because some of the photography that was done was done during some of our bourbon women events, uh, parties I threw at my home, you know, so that we had a collection of. Uh, so we used those, and then we hired a very talented uh, Julia Brown, uh, who shot some more of kind of the live demonstrations and some of the you know, cocktails that we were making and did a beautiful job. But mm-hmm. every single photograph that we shot new for the book was done literally in my house. Wow. <laughs> and the distilleries, <laughs> the distilleries were very, very generous in providing us with beautiful photos of oh, their events. Right. Yes. Too. Right. Yeah. Right. That's what I say. Previous event photos and then a smattering of what we did in my home. Yeah, right. no, it's, it's gorgeous. I bring up the notion of the culinary imagery because there are people, Dale DeGroff, who founded... Uh, I know Dale. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, we know Dale. Tales of the Cocktail and... The yeah, and the Museum yeah, of the, the Whiskey Museum. Mm-hmm. Right. right. Now, now the Cocktail Collection. He has long maintained that the dichotomy between matters culinary and matters mixological is a false one. That spirits and food, along with wine and beer, should all be spoken of in the same breath. Because mm-hmm. all culinary artifacts or culinary products. And I think one of the things that you two do very well is contextualize uh, spirits, in this instance, bourbon, as a culinary product. Hmm. Thanks. Well, you're welcome. (laughs) But I agree. I agree. It's agricultural, culinary, there's so many things. Mm -hmm. I love this opening picture with this tray of like dates and seeds and bread and apples with this gorgeous decanter in the top. It's just, it's a great start off picture here at the forward speaking of the forward uh fred fred wrote your let's talk about fred how do you, how long have you guys known fred how That's did you fred decide to, yes fred Minnick for listeners how did you decide to have him do your forward how did that come about sure go ahead susan if you want oh, to well, talk about yeah. that and then i'll sure, share how sure. i know him well I, I will say that of course fred Minnick owes his entire bourbon career to me because i uh reviewed his first whiskey book whiskey women for the louisville courier journal and I, I gave it a positive book. review. Yeah, it's a great book. It is a great book. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yes, that's how I, I, I've actually met Fred when we were in, we were both doing book signings around bourbon books. So that, that's how I met him. And uh, we've known each other for, well, I guess ever since the year Whiskey Women was published. Yeah, that's, you know, it's funny about that. When it first came out, I 
somehow or another because, you know, I get notifications on everything whiskey related. So uh-huh. I got a notification about it and I said, oh, I'm going to go get it. And then I looked and I was like, oh, I can get it instantly on my Kindle app for my iPad. Great. So I ordered it immediately. And then a friend of mine saw when it came out and had ordered the book and then gave it to me. And I was like, oh, well, now I have it in two different forms. <laughs> and they're you like, never is, be without it. Yeah, this is perfect for you. It's it's whiskey and it's women. Now, so, so you have the book. You literally have the book. Okay, yeah. then you'll be familiar with a photo. I'm going to talk about how I know Fred. Actually, I think Fred owes his entire career to me. <laughs> well, between and, the two of us, Peggy. And, yeah, and, yeah. <laughs> and the reason why I say that is because the whole catalyst that started that book was that he attended our inaugural event of Bourbon Women that was held at the governor's mansion, and he was press that attended uh, that night. And I knew of him. He knew of me. But we got up that night, the women, and, and spoke, and the first lady, about how women have been part of the industry for over 200 years. We just really didn't get credit for it. And so he thought, and excuse my French, that I was full of shit. <laughs> and so he started to research, and he started to do more research. And the more research he did, the more he found how people like March Samuels and, and others were really ingrained in the whole industry and he and that it was correct that they didn't get credit so that's why he wrote the book and there's a picture and that's why i said there's a picture of myself page, and page 75 there you go <laughs> and uh and so that's in the book and he talks about it but i'm happy to say that fred and my friendship after that we had a huge respect for each other and we evolved in our friendship and now i'm actually uh the godmother to one of his children oh wow mm-hmm. so it's kind that's of a awesome. fun story very cool. Yeah, when I re- I read this book when it came out, obviously, and I I was like, see, I knew there was more to us in bourbon and and whiskey than people were letting on. <laughs> so uh, yeah, well, I wouldn't buy all these books if I didn't like them, right? <laughs> so that so or then, you have a problem. Well, that there that could be as well. <laughs> I do I do like the whiskey. So let's talk a little bit about some of the chapters. Each of you, which is your favorite chapter? Ooh, that's a tough one. That is a tough one. I. Well, and this is so true to me anyway, I would say the advanced food pairings because I am just so hooked on, and always have been. That was actually my first book was the uh, culinary cocktail tour book because I've always saw where culinary and bourbon meet together. And Mm -hmm. uh, I think that that is one of my fortes and something that I continuously experiment with. And it was just fun to write because I finally got to put into words how to do it. Cool. Susan, what about you? Well, I kind of like the introduction because I wrote it. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's all downhill from there. So. It, it, yeah, the rest of the book, it, it's fine. But um, <laughs> Okay, so I can stop after that page. Got it. Oh, oh yes. Yeah. No, uh, well, the reason I enjoyed that is because I got to put the whole bourbon culture of Kentucky yeah. in historic mm-hmm. context. Mm-hmm. Right. And, I, and yeah. so that, I really like that. And um, and then any place, you know, throughout the book where we had an opportunity to do that, uh, I really enjoyed. But, but you know, I kind of liked them all. How to do a bourbon tasting, basically the the basic tasting. I, I think that's going to be really valuable for people. Yes. I hope mm-hmm. it will be. So I, um, I'm pretty fond of that one, too. So, you know, I think the thing, Susan, and you'd agree that what we were trying to do was to make this available for anyone, whether you're a basic you know, in knowledge of bourbon and you want to kind of take the journey 
or mm-hmm. if you feel like, gosh, I'm, I'm a huge whiskey fan, bourbon fan, and I want to go deeper into my knowledge. So it, right. it actually has something for everybody. Yeah, we hope we, that was absolutely our intention, our yes. hope for it. Yeah. So I, we only got the book yesterday, so I haven't had a chance to read as much of it as I wanted to. But I am very interested in the advanced food pairing and the food pairing chapters, those two chapters, four and five, because that's basically what we're doing with our show, Whiskey Chef's Journey. So can you guys expand on like cliff note versions of those chapters for us? We really base it on the fact that when you describe bourbon, it is food flavors. You know, it's vanilla, it's caramel, it's spice, and your, you know, like your spice rack of cinnamon, et cetera. And so what we tried to do was encapsulate it and let people know that they're better than they think they are at describing whiskey because just walk yourself to your kitchen. Right. Because you know what a banana tastes like and you know what a steak tastes like, savory notes. But, you know, very, very often people tend to go blank when a glass of bourbon's in front of them and you say, how would you describe that whiskey? You know, they go blank because they think they have to say something really sexy and fancy and, and all they have to do is their food memory. And so that, that kind of starts the story of how to pair bourbon and food together because, you know, once you know that, we ask people to taste the whiskey, jot down in the categories of what do you taste that's fruit-like? What do you taste that's mm-hmm. sweet, savory, spicy? And then once they have those identifiers, then it's time to start thinking about what food would go with this. And we put it into three very basic buckets. Uh, one is called balance. When you pick one of the predominant flavors and all you're trying to do is create harmony. So if I taste banana in a whiskey, then maybe I would pair it with a banana dessert or a banana something because it's not going to fight each other. Right. Then there's counterbalance, which is a second bucket. And that's when you're taking very similar to if you ate a Cajun pecan and drank a Riesling wine. You know, it's taking a very spicy something and taking a sweet something to tame it. So, you know, let's say that I get a huge uh, or I have an Asian food that has wasabi in it. Well, I would pick a more caramel, sweet bourbon, you know, to overlay that. So that's counterbalance. And then the bucket of explosion is a surround sound predominant flavor that can't be denied in the whiskey. And you take that predominant flavor and you match it to actually create surround sound in your mouth. So in other words, let's say I get a big, bold, dark chocolate uh, taste in my whiskey. Then I would take a big, bold, dark chocolate to, to marry with that. And it's nice. just, it's exploding. I'm, now I'm hungry and thirsty. <laughs> <laughs> That's as cliffy as I could get on that. That, that uh, categorization, that schematic, I think, was, would be very helpful to most people. Uh, going back to what you said about, you know, people, they put a glass of whiskey. This is the same of wine and other spirits. People say, well, I don't have the words. When, in fact, they do. This using so-called food terms is, is perfectly legitimate and actually well-established because all you're doing is you're, you're pulling out those flavonoids that that liquid has in common with foods you know well. Exactly. And I'll tell you, when I was first hired to be the Career Journal restaurant critic, uh, after my initial excitement, I was immediately panicked, thinking, oh, my gosh, what do I do if I'm trying to describe? Because, you know, you write a restaurant review, you just can't say, wow, this was really good. Yeah, exactly. It's not very compelling. So I got... I pulled all the spices out of my, my spice cabinet 
and started drilling myself with blind sniffings, you know, wow. blind nosings, just to say, okay, I, I, if I don't, if I mix up oregano with rosemary, boy, would that be embarrassing if I'm <laughs> talking about a sauce in a dish. And I think people know flavors, but sometimes they just don't pay attention mm-hmm. and you know, kind of say purposely, oh, all right, that's the flavor of rosemary. I'm going to store that away so I know that. Or what's the difference between vanilla or caramel? And vanilla, in some instances, is very close to chocolate. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think it's just a matter of paying very close attention to the detail. And, you know, most of us just sort of eat, right? You know, unless you're being paid to eat and write about it, you, you don't really do a lot of um, introspection about it a lot of times, I think. Right. It seems so long ago that, you know, we would go to like the New Orleans Bourbon Festival and we'd be doing a big seminar about food pairings. And I always start off with two questions to consumers. (laughs) I say, raise your hand if you like to eat. You know, so everybody raises their hand and I say, raise your hand if you like to drink whiskey. (laughs) They raise their hand. I'm like, great, you're qualified for this class. That's awesome. What do you guys plan to do? I mean, I'm sure you had other things planned to be working on next, but then COVID happened. So with whatever adjustments COVID has brought, what are your next plans for the bourbon industry? Well, right now, gosh, Susan and I, for the launch of our book, I think we had about 15 right. to 20 speaking engagements that all have had to be postponed. So now they're yep. in reschedule mode. Sometimes a couple have been rescheduled twice. <laughs> mm-hmm. So that is first and foremost in my mind, Susan, is us, you know, really getting back at it once events happen. I am very involved, as you know, in Spirits Network, and uh, Susan and I both write for two different magazines, uh, Whiskey Magazines, Bourbon Plus, and American Whiskey mm-hmm. Magazine. So I will continue those endeavors So as tell well. us, I saw, originally I saw the teaser, and then I started seeing you have a little show going on. Tell us how that all came to be. Well, um, I met, actually it was through Fred Minnick that I met uh, the the owner of Spirits Network and uh, just having a honest to gosh, a casual conversation just because he was in Kentucky and Fred wanted him to meet me. And the next thing you know, they said, Hey, I think you'd be, you know, great to do some of the video that we're doing and, you know, kind of my background of entertaining and, and again, food pairings, et cetera. So that is, that's I think how it's they the cutest title. He knows best. <laughs> N-O-E. Peggy knows best. <laughs> I don't know how does Steven feel about actually. this. Um, and we had more fun. You know, they came to. Yeah, exactly. Well, as long as my husband gets a paycheck, I don't think he cares. He's fine with that. But uh, so I've had a ton of fun with that. And then what was interesting is Susan and I and many other women create an event yes. every year. We have over 300 women from 26 different states who attended every year here in Louisville. It is just phenomenal. It's a full weekend of excursions to distilleries and workshops and classes. And you meet the who's who in, in bourbon. It's just a blast. Well, you know, we had to go virtual this year in August, which I hope, you know, your listeners tune into for bourbonwomen.org. But the Spirits Network said, my gosh, why don't we come and shoot the um, posium nice. and we'll create a show called the Women's Whiskey Revolution. That's very cool. And so that was a ton of fun. Cocktail talk. We conclude every uh, interview with cocktail talk. 
And it's not what's your favorite cocktail. It's what what's your go-to, what's your go-to category, stirred, shaken, built. Hey, your go-to base spirit might not be bourbon. We don't know. That's why we're talking. So what about you guys? What are your what are your go-to? Well, obviously, old-fashioned. We discussed that earlier. Oh, and I've been making an old-fashioned using uh, vanilla-infused simple syrup mm-hmm. and chocolate bitters. Mm-hmm. I just sort of invented that. Yeah, it's oh, yeah, tasty. I'm gonna have to try that oh, now. Yeah. I'm in. That's great. I'm in. Yeah. Very clever. I am a sucker for Manhattans, and I will tell you, Susan, Susan <laughs> okay. Rabler knows I am hooked on her Manhattan. That's the only she reason the she best asked darn me to go off Manhattan. <laughs> uh, These bourbon or uh, rye Manhattans? Oh, bourbon. <laughs> okay. Bourbon. Okay. Well, the next time you two are in Los Angeles, either together or singly. Uh, you'll 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 be sure to sign uh, Carrie and my copy, surely. We will. Okay. All right. Well, yes. Yeah. So thank you oh, for being fun. on the show. Sure. You're welcome. Thank you so much. Thanks for having us. And I just sent you my bourbon and burger article too. Right? Oh, great. Perfect. Yeah. I'll go ahead and put that in the show notes then. We'll awesome. we'll dig in. Up next, we'll have a refined moment with Jason Ree of Refined Company. Stay with us. Dreaming, sipping, and sensory. Bourbon Women's Sip Summer Series kicks off Women's Equality Week with a three-day digital conference. August 20th through 22nd, 6 to 9.30 p.m. Enjoy a top-shelf collection of spirits education right at your fingertips. This first-ever and distinctively curated online series will keep you sipping with fellow bourbon women this summer. You'll experience unique tastings, mixology, food pairings, and informative and engaging segments with industry experts that include live Q&A, all from the comfort of your own home. Plus, you can take part in our first-ever e-auction of -of one-of-a-kind bourbon items and experiences. Tickets and more information available at bourbonwomen.org. Normally, we have Chef Louise Leonard give us some pairing notes during this time on our episode, but since we had authors Peggy No Stevens and Susan Riegler on the show today, I invited Los Angeles event planner Jason Ree of Refined Company to banter with me about their new book. Jason, welcome, welcome. Thank you for having me. Of course. So tell me, what did you think about, you have the book, what did you think, what did you see, what kind of stood out to you that um, you thought would be pertinent for, for you? You know, I did, I did find it pretty exciting because it did have a lot more design than I thought it would in terms of the layout of an event and and just even little hacks and little party tricks. I loved all the party tricks that they include into the book. And again, some of these party tricks I've learned just in my time of waiting tables, like the rocks glass with the napkins to, to make it, you know, to spread it out. And, you know, just even like the uh, little basics, such as like using the actual liquor bottles to use to pre-batch any cocktails before a party and things like that so I found the book really interesting and I did love all the little party tricks I think that was like the the biggest takeaway for me it's like just kind of skimming through all the party tricks as well awesome so did you um I mean I don't know how, how many bourbon aficionados do you have uh, that are your clients that have that would the pairing uh sections be any good for you to like suggest to your to your chefs when you're doing some of these events yeah yeah, I think when we, you know, I think cocktail programs have become um, hand in hand with with culinary and food 
Um, so for the last few years, it's been a, a big trend for us to make sure that, again, we compare the spirits and the type of cocktails that we have being offered uh, to go in line with the menu. But I do also think that, especially with weddings, like a lot of my wedding clients, um, a lot of the a lot of the couples are always big, big whiskey drinkers, um, big bourbon fans. And again, they always try to keep bourbon as one of the, the main staples in our bar. Obviously, it's like the most... Um, introductory kind of spirit into that world. So I think uh, bourbon has become, I don't know, it's become kind of a very popular request, I think, uh, okay. with, with, all, with all events across the board. Well, that's awesome. Yeah. So the Kentucky Derby Party. I was reading that because a couple years ago, I had a Kentucky Derby Party. Didn't look anything like this Kentucky Derby Party. <laughs> because, first amazing, of all... I mean, the butt, like, this is an amazing Kentucky Derby Party. Yeah. I mean, first of all, mine was at my house here in Los Angeles, and we were watching it on TV, and we were all, like, trying to bet on this new online service that they were doing, and nobody could get through for their bets until the horse already started, and we're like, ah, oh, mm. now let's try to get the next one, and we just kept trying to... So, for betting experience, it was the worst betting experience. What I can say about the Derby is I, I tried to get it to be as, as, you know, official as I could make it being in my house with just a few friends. Obviously, the uh, the betting thing, as I said, didn't go over well. But I was preparing the official drinks. I was doing the mint julep. We were using the proper bourbons and all of that. And I even bought these really cute uh, Derby glasses that yes. I got that I ordered from the Kentucky Derby. And they were like... Um, plastic cup ones but they were like the nice ones that you you know you have at events so everybody got to take home their little their little cup and then i also got a couple of the um copper mint julep cups beautiful um, so that was fun but yeah those uh, those i think that's like the main essential isn't it like having the right spirit and the right cocktails for the party <laughs> for sure for sure but you, we you know i tried to get people to wear the big hats but that didn't really happen so. the fascinators yeah that's like the one thing that i'm um you know i i i did a wedding in Kentucky and fell in love with Kentucky like years ago. So I think the plan, if we could travel next year, is that that, that we're going to try to put together a, a derby party with a friend of mine who now lives in Kentucky. But um, you know, we'll see. We'll see what that traveling, what the travel situation will be then. Well, awesome. What was the the biggest surprise that you saw in the book? You know, I think I think again. I have a little bit more experience just outside of events because, again, I worked in restaurants for so long, worked for spirits for so long. But I do, I really do like all of the guidance it gives in terms of just creating the experience around the cocktail, right? So I think experiential events have become like the new, the new it factor in terms of when you do host an event, you want to make sure that you're creating this over, um, over the top experience. And again, a lot of that is again, the fundamentals of food, beverage, spacing, and decor. So it, the, the book really hit all those aspects. And I thought it was really, really unique that they were able to, again, like show diagrams of, of even how to place buffets on tables. Um, so that was kind of the, you know, the, the biggest part, but a lot of it was information that I guess we learned through doing, but it's really great that again, you have this book to essentially, that's like a Bible of entertaining. Yeah. So would you recommend this then for the for the novice person trying to put together like a food pairing or a little dinner event at their own house? Oh, 100%. I think this is actually a great client gift, too. I think this is something that, again, if I have a client that expresses that they love, you know, bourbon or whiskey or any brown spirits, um, this is kind of the perfect book to give. But I think I also want to get this book for my friend who obviously is in Kentucky. She may even have this book, but I do love all the illustrations. And I think that, again, they've kind of showcased um, a really good 
collective group of, of brown spirits that I think are not not like beginner spirits, but again, like simple enough for I think a beginner to enjoy, but also still have all the different notes, the tasting notes and things like that to kind of, you know, interest those that are more advanced drinkers. That are more refined. Yeah, more refined. Exactly. 100%. Yes, 100%. Well, Jason, thank you so much for joining us today and giving us your thoughts on this book. Yeah, I love it. I can't wait to use these ideas soon. Great. Well, let's, let's we hope. Let's again. hope this, this <laughs> yes, let's hope this COVID virus gets under control so we can all get back outside because, yes. you know, it's summer and we're cooped up indoors and it's just. Oh, you know. I, I'm not summer body ready. So I'm, I'm totally <laughs> fine staying indoors <laughs> with a bottle of bourbon. I'm totally fine. <laughs> all right, Jason. Well, thanks again. Thanks. And then the next time we have something like this that we can talk with you about, we will call you up and put you back on the show. Love it. Thanks All for right, having well, me. Thank, thank you so much. Please visit our website to see our show notes on today's podcast at spiritsofwhiskey.com. That's whiskey with an E. We'll include links and supporting documents from today's Whiskey Chronicles, as well as a link to where you can buy which fork do I use with my bourbon. As always, you can see our upcoming topics and guest roster and links to past shows. Thanks for joining us. Until next time, salon. Salon Shavon. Spirits of Whiskey is a production of First Real Entertainment and the Center for Culinary Culture, home of the Cocktail Collection, and is available on Anchor, Spotify, and wherever fine podcasts can be heard.